Miracles. What is a miracle? Do miracles happen today? A miracle is is an event of supernatural intervention, an occurrence that can only be explained in terms of something or someone outside the norm. It is outside the realm of understanding. It's outside the realm of our personal power. Divine intervention. As we know, everyone has an opinion about what a miracle is or is not and whether miracles happen today. Many people would describe themselves as spiritual and whether or not they believe in miracles, they are looking for the supernatural for some kind of an answer. We have a lot of supernatural themes in our culture. Life after death, contact with the dead, immortality, contacting beings from other wars, whether it's Star Wars, Star Trek, or contact, or some of those cultural ideas. Where did all these ideas come from? Are miracles real? Is healing real? Does God heal only physically, or does he also heal mental illness and those with emotional and psychological problems? And is it God who heals, or is it the power resident in each human being that is released in us to heal? Well, our bodies do heal and repair themselves. You cut yourself or you have an abrasion, your body does heal. You have surgery, and they can cut, and they can do all kinds of things, but the body, through God's power, actually heals. But what happens when we can no longer heal ourselves? We can no longer heal ourselves. When the medical solutions are gone, when no doctor can help us, we run out of options. Can we then expect a miracle? The only true and accurate understanding of miracles comes from the ancient text that we call the Bible. Miracles are a dominant theme in the Bible. Accounts of God's intervention in the course of human events. We see many of these accounts in the New Testament, particularly in the story of Jesus. The story of Jesus. Today, as we continue our series, The Chosen, The Life of Jesus, we're going to look at an account of miracles. Really, two stories in one. A woman and a preteen girl both beyond help when Jesus steps into the picture. I want us to join them. This video clip is very accurate to the Luke passage that I have listed in Luke 8 as we join them in Journey to a Miracle. What's going on? Where are you going? The preacher. They say he's going to do a miracle. Even you should be there. James, Jones, who is this? We don't know any more than you do. Come on. Make room. Let us through. Come back, I promise. I promise you will be back. Give us some space. The pack. Come back, I promise you. 
Question. Who touched me? Master, the crowds are pressing in all around you like this, and you're asking who touched you? They all have. Someone touched me. I felt that power went out of me. touched me. Come forward, teacher. It was me. Just the fringe of your garment, only the edge, I promise. You are not unclean. Why my garment? I'm sorry. I, I know I should have asked. But if, if you touched me, it would make you ritually unclean according to the law. I, I was sick. I was sick for 12 years. I bled and, and no one could stop it. But but I believed if I could just touch a piece of your garment. <laughs> I was right. I was right. Thank you. Who told you I could heal? A man from the pool. And <laughs> he was right. The blood is ceased. No one's daughter anymore. Look up. Yes, you are. 
daughter. It wasn't my piece of clothing that healed you. But it was instant. I felt it right away. I know, but it wasn't this. It was your faith. Teacher, she was bleeding so long. We can take her. She is clean. Between you and her, it's quite a big day of faith. It's just up ahead. Mm. Do you hear that? No. What is this? Charis, while you were gone. No. Why do I hear mourners and flutes? I said not to do that. She My was sick. My daughter passed away. We had to make arrangements quickly. No! No! I went to find the teacher. He was going to heal her! I know who you are. Let's not trouble him anymore. Michal is with Millie's body. No! No! I was getting Jesus! I went as fast as I could. Do not be afraid. Only believe. Jairus, let's go in. Please stay here. We will... She will be well. All of you, stop it. I said stop. What are you doing? There's a girl. She's dead. Go away. For she isn't dead, but sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> what is all this laughing? He said she's only asleep. What a cruel thing to say. Do you know who you're talking to? If you were a member of the family, I would invite you in to see just how dead she is. What are you, a necromancer? Shame on you for saying such a ridiculous thing. Everyone out. 
You heard him. Boys, take everyone outside. Right. We were paid to play. Ah. You listen to me right now. Come, let's give them a moment. Michal. Where were you? I was finding this mess. She is dead and you were gone. Why would you just leave us? Trust me. Please trust me and trust him. What? For what? Please. Please. I know. I know. extraordinary story found in Luke 8 40 to 56 a true story about two miracles a woman and the father of a preteen a 12 year old daughter who was about to die and died and Jesus steps in and intervenes why did these miracles happen how did these miracles happen? And how is that relevant to us today? Today I want to talk about the stages of a miracle. The stages of a miracle. The first stage of a miracle is something called desperation. Desperation. The first character, Jairus, had a 12-year-old daughter who was dying. And I'm sure that with his position of wealth and influence, he had the access to the best medical care of the day. But that had all failed. And we find in verse 41, he came 
and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house. Desperation. Jesus was his only hope, his last chance. The second character who interrupted Jesus' journey to Jairus' house was a woman who had been ill for 12 years. In the Mark 5 passage, it says she had been under the care of many doctors. She had spent all of her money, but instead of getting better, she only got worse. She was sick and she was broke. Sickness back then especially had social consequences and wealth. This disease had made the woman ceremonially unclean, much like lepers. She couldn't take part in worship in the temple. She was excommunicated from the temple in the center of Jewish society. She was also likely divorced from her husband by law, the law of the rabbi, shut out of family life, ostracized by society. She could not touch anyone according to Old Testament law in Leviticus 15. The reasons were hygienic, not punitive. But the Jews had this misconception that this kind of disease, in fact, all disease, was always a result of sin. Your sin or someone else's sin. Talk about desperation. Excommunicated from the church, divorced from her husband, shut out of family life, ostracized by society, outcast, despised, reduced to poverty, and still very, very ill. Desperation. Do we ever get to the point of desperation in our lives? When we realize we don't have the resources or the abilities, we need something or someone outside of ourselves. Our doctors, our oncologists, nutritionists, or scientists just cannot help. Our government is out of answers and there's a last chance that's needed. Desperation is the beginning of the journey to a miracle. Desperation. The second stage on the journey to a miracle is hope. Hope. Hope is the next part. Jairus demonstrated hope by coming to Jesus for help. And the woman, it says, had heard about Jesus. So she worked her way into place so she could intersect and come into contact with this Jesus. Hope is the, the beginning of faith. Hope may still have questions, but it's the start. Hope here had Jesus as its object. Hope for you may be the beginning. Some people here may say, you know, I don't know if Jesus is real. I don't know if I believe all this religious stuff. I don't know if I believe in miracles. I don't know if Jesus has the power to help me. I don't even know if he cares. But I'm going to find a way to intersect with Jesus. I'm going to put myself in the place to make contact with Jesus. At this stage, we may have doubts, but it's the beginning of taking the first step to meet Jesus. That's where all of us started. Questions like, I don't know if God is real. I don't know if I'm a religious type. But because I have hope, I'm going to start the journey. After hope comes faith. Faith. Faith is actually placing our trust in something or 
someone. Now, when you came into the sanctuary this morning, you all sat down on these benches that we call pews. I didn't see any of you looking underneath the pew, checking the thickness or the, the gap between the wood space between supports and analyzing the weight support abilities. Most of you just came in and sat down, sat down. You, you trusted it was going to hold you. Why? You had faith. Faith. Faith has an object. It's not just ethereal. And in this case, the object of your faith was the pew that you sat on. Faith for Jairus and this woman wasn't some abstract ethereal New Age reasoning or concept. Faith was placed in an object, a person, Jesus, Jesus. Jairus said to Jesus in the Mark passage, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. Faith that Jesus can do that. The woman said, if I can just touch his clothes, I will be healed. It was faith that Jesus can do that. So the next step towards a miracle, past desperation, past hope, is faith. Placing our faith in Jesus, believing he has the power to affect the solution. Could be a physical problem, a disease or sickness. Could be a relational challenge that you have. Marriage issues, problems with kids, with parents, a boss, a relative, a neighbor. Might be financial, might be an issue with a job. Any challenge that we face that we realize we cannot solve it on our own. Desperation, hope, and faith in Jesus. Then we're on our way to a miracle. The next part of the journey is action. Action, letter D. See, this is a process. It's a journey. We have need, we have hope, we have faith, and we take action. Taking action on our faith to make contact with the person of Jesus personally. For Jairus, he went personally to Jesus. He took the initiative. He took action based on the faith that he had. The girl who was dying didn't exhibit faith. Her father brought him. But he demonstrated that his faith was real by his actions. It's a passage in the book of James that talks about healing and miracles. James 5, 14 to 15 says, Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. It's an action that's taken by asking for the leaders of the church to anoint and pray. Action. The woman in our story did the same thing. She took action. And it wasn't just any action she took. She took an action of faith, believing that Jesus would heal her. I love this part of the story. Jesus in the middle of the crowd, narrow streets, high buildings on both sides, jammed with people, shopping and selling like a very crowded day at one of the malls that 
Christmas Eve, only worse. And Jesus stops and asks, who touched me? Who touched me? When they all denied it, Peter, who was never politically correct and always said what was on his mind and usually everyone else's mind, said, Master, they're crowding about you. What do you mean who touched you? Everybody's been touching you. What do you mean? What's, what's the deal? What do you mean? But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Question, very important question. What was the difference between the touch of the crowd and the touch of the woman? What was the difference between the touch of the crowd and the touch of the woman? All the people were crowding around, bumping into Jesus, and nothing happened. Then this woman touched Jesus, and something miraculous happened. Why? Why? Faith, expectancy, hope, and desperation. This woman reached out in desperate need, hope of, hoping for a cure. Faith in Jesus that he could heal her. Expecting something from God. Many of us place ourselves in situations where we come into contact with Jesus. For some, it's just it's kind of routine. Another crowd, another church service, another time of worship. And we experience no change, no power, no transformation, nothing. Just like the rest of the crowd around Jesus, it makes no difference. Why? No desperation. No need, no hope, no faith. No expectancy and no change. And some of us do not see need, living in complacency and comfort. We continually come into contact with the living Son of God, and some go untouched, unmoved, and unchanged for years. But there are others here this morning who have needs, and they know it. There's a sense of desperation and hope who want to take action by faith and place their faith in Jesus. It, it, it wasn't this woman's contact with the clothes of Jesus. This isn't magic and superstition where they would produce, market, and sell Jesus' clothing to touch and get healed. Just as absurd to formulaize, formulaize this healing. It wasn't the clothes. It was her faith as she trusted in Jesus, the person. Jesus knew the difference between the jostle of this curious crowd and the contact of a soul in need with faith. Can Jesus tell the difference? Yes. Yes. The trust was in Jesus, not the clothes. Not about external actions. It was about an internal attitude and expectancy and faith. How do you touch Jesus today? It's not about believing the right words. It's not about saying the right formulas. This woman never spoke a word. 
The power is not in the right words or the formulas or the touching the right clothes. The power is in the person of Jesus Christ. And faith releases that power. I don't have the power Jesus does. I believe in him. I'm going to reach out to Jesus. How? Pray. Talk to Jesus. Cry out to God. Tell him you need him desperately. And after all that, we finally have the answer. We have healing. Instantaneous, miraculous healing. Jairus' daughter instantly raised from the dead. The woman, the bleeding stopped immediately. Jesus can heal you instantaneously in a moment. And he does that. Many of you can attest to his healing power. Other times, in other ways, he may set you on a course toward healing. We want everything now. Instant. Pray, I'm healed. Boom. And God does that. Jesus does that. Sometimes he does it differently. We had a young couple in their late 20s in our church in Seattle named Jason and Carly. Carly worked in the medical field, and one day at work she slipped and fell, and she hurt her back, experiencing a lot of pain, daily pain. Carly began a long journey, a journey some of you may have experienced, going to one doctor after another doctor, medical doctors, orthopedic doctors, chiropractors, massage therapists, acupuncturists, and on and on. And no one could find the cause of her pain. She dealt with this constant pain for two and a half years, and it affected every part of her life. One day, a local church was hosting an evangelist from Great Britain. His name was David Carr. In fact, Judy had been at this pastor's church when she was traveling with Living Sound, in the UK, and she knew about David Carr. He had a reputation for a healing ministry. And so I called Carly and said, let me tell you about these meetings. I said, I don't know what God's plan is for you, but you need to go to this meeting. In a miraculous intervention at that meeting, God healed Carly of her back injury and pain in an instant. That was the deliverance, which was amazing and miraculous. So transformative for Carly. But her account, her journey, her account of the tough times was the real story. When Carly shared her story in front of our church, she shared about her miraculous healing. But she also talked about how God had worked miraculously in her inner person, her spiritual nature through the two and a half years of constant back pain. She said through it all, and I quote, I felt like God was saying that hope in him and hope for a cure are different things. 
And she was placing her hope in the cure and not in him until she was finally healed. That was her journey. Back in 2016, I received an email from her. She said, hi, Mark, Carly Burt here 10 years ago today. God healed my back. We'll never forget how God used you in our lives in that day throughout that journey. Thinking of you guys. Jesus can heal instantaneously, and he does that. Other times he may set you on a course for healing that may take time. He may have something he wants to accomplish in our lives along the way. Paul the Apostle had something that he called a thorn in the flesh. It was a physical malady. He said it was a messenger from Satan. It tormented him. And he said, I prayed three times for God to remove the thorn in the flesh. And God said, no. I want to accomplish something through this physical sickness. Sometimes God answers immediately. Sometimes he brings us through a process. The journey of healing may have longer term timetables. Relationships take time to be restored. Finances, God may give the will and the discipline, but it may take time. God may give you the power to deal with the difficult boss and not get you free from that job right away. Spiritual healing, deliverance from addiction. Some are delivered in an instant, others take time, and it's a struggle. The starting point is getting right with God, establishing that right relationship with God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. All of these are miracles. Desperate need, hope, faith, and action. Puts us into contact with the living Jesus and we are changed. Miracles can change our circumstances. Most often miracles change us. And our faith contact with Jesus will transform our lives. The last stage, F, letter F, restoration. The woman was noticed by Jesus, so came forward. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. This is the only woman on record that was called daughter by Jesus. Only one. She was called daughter by Jesus. A beautiful expression of Jesus saying, you are received into the family again. You are restored. Restored in health restored in relationship. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what miracle you need. I don't know if you're desperate. I don't know where you are. But God still does and wants to do miracles. There are some things that can stop a miracle. The first is being unaware. Unaware. The crowd jostling Jesus, they bumped into him, touched him, totally unaware of the power available to him. 
They, they didn't know what power was available. They were just bumping into him. Many people walk through their entire life unaware of the incredible power and blessings Jesus wants to bestow on you. Or second, unbelief. Unbelief. The mourners at that home of the child that had died laughed at Jesus. That really happened. That happened. Demonstrating unbelief. They didn't believe what Jesus said. Whether we're unaware or we do not believe, God still wants to do miracles for us today. God is the one who wants to intervene on our behalf. Do you believe? Isaiah 53, 4 and 5 says, Surely, speaking of Jesus, surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, you see every, every person here this morning. And we thank you that you demonstrated your love and the, your ability to perform miracles. And Father, there are people here this morning that need a miracle. It's as varied as everybody's circumstance. Could be physical, could be financial, family, it could be any number of things. And I just pray, God, that you would speak to us and that you would draw us to yourself and build faith. It's, it's faith in Jesus that Jesus can work the miracle.